Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in today's program, you're going to interview a special guest, something we haven't done in a while. Oh, yes, Scott. About a year ago, I was asked by a good friend of mine, Ray Wenger, to write the foreword for a book he was writing. Well, that book has now been published, and I want to make everyone aware of what it is about and encourage people to read it. So, is it on creation science or something in the Bible related to creation? Actually, neither, Scott. It's on the return of Jesus Christ. Ah, in other words, prophecy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, if I may ask, what does this book have to do with Scripture on creation? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I'll explain it this way. The title of the book is, Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception. So, can you think of a deception prevalent in the world today, Scott? Well, there are many, but the evolutionary worldview is certainly one of them. Indeed. And one of the strategies Satan uses to promote the evolutionary worldview, so contrary to biblical worldview, is he confuses people into thinking the Bible is unreliable that it contradicts itself in many different passages throughout the Bible, and that it contradicts facts that have been clearly established by scientists. Well, the Bible is not intended by God to be a science textbook, but everything it says related to the material world is accurate. And with the proper perspective, we find that biblical statements present no necessary contradictions to anything scientists have been able to demonstrate. And that perspective I'm referring to involves using sound hermeneutics, that is, using the proper principles of interpretation to determine what an author of Scripture means. So examples of the kinds of principles you're speaking of would include being aware of idioms or metaphors the language employs Mm -hmm. and taking into account the form of literature a particular passage is written in. Things like that will make a big difference in our understanding of what the writer means. Exactly. And just as our understanding of passages related to creation must be based on sound hermeneutics, so too our understanding of prophecy. And one of the crucial issues of interpretation of prophecy that Ray Wenger deals with in his book is the form used in many prophetic passages, especially those found in the Gospels. And so that and a couple of other topics are what I spoke with Mr. Wenger about. Okay, then let's hear the interview. And so I'd like to welcome to Scripture on Creation my dear friend, Mr. Ray Wenger. It's great to have you on the program today, Ray. It's good to be here. Thank you very much. And we've known each other for a long time, but Ray, can you remember uh, how we met and why we met? Well, we met because of two things. One is we were both in seminary at the same time, and also that we attended there at Bethany Bible Chapel, where you were one of the leaders in the church. Yeah, that was, oh boy, a long time ago. I almost don't want to figure out how long ago that was. <laughs> well, we moved out there in the fall of 1983. Okay, wow, so that's 40 years we've known each other, brother. That's that's really terrific. Over the years, you have had an itinerant ministry and have spoken on a number of different topics. But the main reason that I'm interviewing you today, Ray, is because you've written a book, and it has really caught my interest, and I think it's such an appropriate book for the days that we live in. The title of the book is Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception, and it's a book essentially on the end times, 
But, you know, Ray, there are a number of books written on prophecy, on the end times. And so I'd like you to explain to our listeners why another book on this is of value. Well, most prophecy books do not consider the structure of the accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the result is confusion because many people just lump things together and then the ordinary person looks at it and says, man, these guys studied it a lot more than I ever will, and they don't agree with each other. I don't know if anybody can understand this stuff. (laughs) Sort of the way some people think about uh, creation versus uh, evolution. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) And so what I wanted to do was show that Matthew, Mark, and Luke record an extensive treatment of what Jesus said regarding what would happen in the land of Israel. And when you carefully compare all three accounts and use the structure of those accounts, it enables us to see clearly which things happened in A.D. 70 and which things occur at the time of the Great Tribulation that's coming on all the world. And they are things that people often lump together in a confusing way. And so they end up having all this confusion. And when you have confusion in the commentaries and confusion in the pulpit, you're going to have confusion in the pews. Well, Ray, uh, one of the other things that you mentioned as to why you wrote the book was to try and help people understand the, the perspective, I guess we might say, from which Matthew, Mark, and Luke are written. As Jesus is speaking, I mean, it makes sense, as you pointed out. He was speaking more to what was going to be happening in Israel. I and mean, after all, he was speaking to Jews, and they were asking questions about what's going to happen to us, so to speak. But you mentioned uh, how to interpret it, that there was a form that those passages were written in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I I know that uh, it's an important means by which some uh, difficult things to interpret are are really made much clearer, and I really appreciated that about your book. So tell us a little bit about that form you're speaking of. The form I'm talking about is the structure, which involves something called inclusio, where The author speaks about something, then there's some intervening material, and then he repeats or says, in other words, that same first thing again, sort of sets a boundary to the paragraph. And so that's saying this whole paragraph is about this topic. And then there might be another inclusio on down further, which sets the boundaries of another paragraph. Now, those two paragraphs would be distinct. They might be talking about a similar topic, but they are a related topic, but not necessarily the same topic. And so that's where a person, if I don't understand that, they may conflate the two and think that those two paragraphs are talking about the exact same thing. The example, like you mentioned, uh, the destruction of 70 AD versus the destruction in the Great Tribulation. That's right. Okay. And so what we do is we let that text speak for itself and The ancient speakers, they used this technique, and they knew their audience would understand it. And so they didn't have to be explicitly saying certain things. The audience would know that, oh, this is saying the same topic. Now, this is a related area, but Mm. not necessarily quite the same topic. And then also what you have is you can have one inclusio nested inside another conclusio, nested inside another, and you can keep going like that, Mm -hmm. and you get a focal point that says this is the thing you want to really pay attention to. 
Well, Ray, one of the things that I especially appreciated about um, your bringing that inclusio format out, and you, you also call it a chiasm, right? Right. And what, you see, you have nested inclusios inside each other. Yeah. And that nesting becomes a chiasm. Right. Well, you're bringing up the the key thought of that large chiasm that you uh, wrote about in Luke, all the way from Luke 16 to Luke 19. The center being, remember Lot's wife, really was profound. And I especially appreciated the comparisons that you brought out between uh, the flood of Noah's day and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in Lot's day. Why don't you explain the analogy of those two judgments with the judgment that is coming at the Great Tribulation and how the rapture is involved? Because that was really a powerful illustration. There are so many different opinions, I guess is one way to put it, about especially when the church is raptured. At the beginning of the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, why do you think there are so many different opinions? I mean, among believers uh, about especially the timing of the rapture. Most believers recognize that there's a great tribulation, but the timing of the rapture, why do you think there's so much confusion about that? Well, one of the reasons is because of lumping all of these accounts together just sort of in a big pile and not letting each biblical author state clearly what he sees. And if you go through each biblical author and see what he's saying, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see parallels and contrasts. So what happens is a lot of people just conflate all this together, and they mix up what's happening in the tribulation with what's happening before the tribulation. So it ends up with tremendous confusion, and people are confused by it. Right. I think one of the statements you made, Ray, that I really appreciated was making sure that when you study one particular author, say, for example, you look at Luke, there are statements there that are very, very clear. And then it may seem to relate to something else that isn't so clear, so to speak, in Matthew. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this statement that you made because it's very, very important. You say, a fundamental principle of hermeneutics, that is how we interpret scripture. A fundamental principle of hermeneutics must be followed. The meaning of a clear passage cannot be set aside when that material appears in a more difficult context. The idea being that, well, if something is very clear, it's not going to be contradicted somewhere else. So if it seems like it's confusing or seems like it's being contradicted, then we've got to figure out, well, what does this other author actually mean? Because it's obvious what Luke meant, for example. And we right. work on it and we study it out until there isn't a contradiction there. And several of those quote-unquote contradictions that you pointed out that are cleared up are, for example, there are no signs that need to be fulfilled before the rapture. Um, so it's not like, well, hey, everybody in the world hasn't heard the gospel yet, so the rapture can't happen. Well, that's not what the Bible is saying. And so anyway, that very important principle of if something is clear, it's not going to be contradicted somewhere else is a very helpful way to go about determining what Luke is saying, what Matthew is saying, what we read in Thessalonians or even in the book of Revelation. Okay, Dr. Scripture, this is a good stopping point in the interview. We'll be airing more of it in our next program, but we should let people know how to get Ray Wenger's book. Well, good idea, Scott. 
The book is only available online through Ray Wenger's website, which is wengerministries.org. Wenger is spelled W-E-N-G-E-R. So again, that is wengerministries.org. And on the website, at the top of the homepage, there are tabs. Click on the Books tab. You will see the Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception book cover come up. Click on the book, and there's a Buy Now option. And something else you'll see when you click on the book is a short synopsis of the book, which might help you consider whether or not you'd like to get the book. My personal recommendation is get the book. Mm. And if you'd like to read the forward I wrote for it, when you click on the Buy Now button, you'll see Customer Reviews, and you can read it there. So once again, that website is wengerministries.org. That's it. Now, in the next portion of the interview, we'll be talking about the kinds of deceptions Jesus Christ delivers us from. Certainly, evolution is one, and confusion and doubt about the meaning of prophecies concerning Jesus' return is another. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes in verse 1, Realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. And then in verses 12 through 14, And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.